yeah, we know, we know Skype sucks, but like we said, every other platform, they limit you to an hour unless you, like, get on the paid plan. Right, which is so crazy because when you really think about it, um, Skype really fumbled the ball during COVID. Cause, and it's also owned by Microsoft, but then Microsoft is, like, toting teams, so it just didn't make any sense. It's like, wait, you have these two video conference platforms, one that is continually free up to as many people – Right. Versus this one, we have to have paid subscription to like last more than an hour, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bad on Microsoft or or maybe uh, good on them for, for keeping the free one. I don't know. They probably just forgot it. Honestly. <laughs> right. I was just impressed that I was able to understand a sports analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. I, I do a lot of those and yeah. I get I get oh, called out for it. Hello, listeners. We're back on another episode. Phil had to step out on the last one due to life circumstances, but it's good to have you back, Phil. Yep, I'm back. It was good. Ah, ah, ah. And especially since to tell an ugly, honest truth to our listeners that Phil had to step out. We needed some time to cool off because, like, you know, we didn't want to end up like Jesus and Miro, which I'm sure oh, we're very broken, broken I was, about. I was very broken up about that. I was like, dang, son. I was like, yo, that was a fantastic duo. I, I mean, I knew, I knew it would happen eventually, but I didn't think it would happen so soon. So now it's just, uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's crazy to really think about it. I see. And unlike them, it sounds like they went to pursue their own projects. Phil, I had to ask him to step away. Because he made a very heinous microaggression against me several weeks ago. I did. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna call you out on this, Phil. We're talking about it right now, which is that, you know, you, you, you exhibited, I think, on this podcast, I have evidence of a long, systemic anti-Asian bias by your actions, oh. and then you said that. Uh, when I confronted you on the fact that you eat your rice with butter and salt, that's how you cook it, your answer was, hey, I eat your rice better. I make it better than how you people eat it. You and, know what? Uh, and I will stand by that. All right. And that right there <laughs> was an act of, of bigotry and racism on par with uh, you know, the, greatest, the greatest crimes of, of white supremacy. But you know, well, we're here today. This is a this is a place of healing. So I brought in an outside mediator to help us with this establish restorative justice framework, so we can address these reprieves and hopefully move on in this uh, new anti-racism uh, framework and and paradigm we built. So uh, please, everyone, welcome uh, Peter Glanting, our, our our outside mediator. Thanks. Thank you. I wish I'd, I I wish I had known that uh, I was being brought in as a mediator, but uh... <laughs> you know we tend to drop these things on the spot. But please, Pete, because you are the uh, unbiased, objective third party here, please mediate the uh, I like to call it the rice scandal, because because okay. Eric is uh, stuck in his ways when he needs to you know be able to evolve with the way rice is prepared. You know, salt, butter. Maybe if you're feeling fancy, you could throw a little bit of time in there. And I think, from my point of view, that Phil is disrespecting thousands of years of cultural tradition uh, with his Western petite bourgeoisie ways and disrespecting not only my culture, but my family, because rice is like my family. All right. They're like my ancestors. That's how much 
how much I care for it. So Pete, what what is what are your thoughts on this dispute? Yes, please weigh in. Oh man, um, well I, I will say uh, you know I in I'm not sure I, I see the, the issue here. <laughs> like the, the issue is that, uh, Eric, you don't care for how Phil eats rice or, I mean, just, just to get some clarity on here. Yes. yes. It is. He, he feels that the way I prepare my rice with, you know, seasonings and flavors is disrespectful. And, and I'd say, you know what gives rice flavor? The food gives it flavor. It does. Right, but you're also enhancing the food with the flavor of the rice. Like it's a give and take here. Come on, you gotta you gotta think outside the box and into the circle. Is, what what if I went to a bodega and asked for a Jamaican patty and I said, oh, we'll give you tons of ketchup on top of it. I mean, you eat your patty the way you want to eat it. But aren't aren't also there there are many different kinds of rices uh, all around the world, right? Like yes, if, I, to to say that it's a a purely asian uh food certainly there there rice is a, a core staple of uh of asian many asian cuisines but to say like there you know there is uh wild rice for example i don't know where that comes from i wish i hadn't even brought it up but uh okay. <laughs> i'm sorry i only eat white rice the pure rice the superior mm. rice that that sounds that sounds kind of kind of racist why come you not eating brown rice eric huh i mean i, I do yeah. I, I do cook it but i keep it uh separated in a different pot but it's equal the amounts it's like you oh. said separate equal and segregated i don't uh, think there's anything wrong with that oh good lord <laughs> we some we somehow like uh go from equality and then somehow wrap wrapped right back into a vicious cycle of jim crow it's crazy well, shit, guys, I wish you hadn't brought me in on this episode. I think you have a bias, too, because I don't know how you cook your rice. So you cook it in a way that's respectful to the rice. <laughs> respectful to the rice. The rice. Uh, I, I suppose. I mean, I usually uh, – I honestly, I, I don't eat a lot of butter. But, um, you know, I will put vegetables in rice. Um I'm sure this makes for great podcasting, talking about how I eat rice. Um, oh yeah, uh, we're gonna pivot from comics to a cooking show. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be called um, Life Styles and Dinings. There we go. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you ever listened to Bill Burr, but it's exactly how his podcasts go. Just chats about nonsense every day. Let's week. Bill Burr. Oh, Bill Burr. Oh, Bill Burr. Yeah. My dad, my dad was telling me. Uh, he was like, hey, I didn't have anything else to watch, so I watched this guy, Bill Burr. You know about him? God, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's he's a comedian. That's a and, stick, he's, and he's so. from Boston, so right. And right. you know, he he you know sold out Mando uh, when they were trying to hijack that prison prison ship. So you know, that's to be expected. In fact, all right. On that note, for all. The one listener who's probably still who hasn't who's still listening after we went on this long <laughs> tangent about uh, Phil's racism in in consuming rice of my people. Uh, we are actually here to have Pete on, not to mediate <laughs> our, our rice dispute, but really to talk about and really to congratulate uh, him on making the big milestone landmark of a comic artist is that you have a graphic novel coming out. Thank you, thank you. I do. It's called uh, Going Remote, 
And um, it's uh, written by my friend and uh, colleague, Adam Bessie. And it comes out in uh, early February. It's put out by Seven Stories Press and uh, Censored Press. Okay, Seven Stories Press and Censored Press. Uh, so <clears throat> these aren't the usual uh, comic uh, publishers that we normally hear of, such as like Abrams, uh, Penguin House, Penguin Random House, things like that. These are much more small, small press, right? Right, correct. Um, the uh, Seven Stories has distribution through Penguin, but um, I, I, to be perfectly frank, I don't understand how that works. Uh, <laughs> stories uh, teamed with uh, Censored Press uh, to to make a, um, the, a a full length version of a, a short that Adam and I did um, about two two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're correct; they usually <clears throat> Seven Stories. Excuse me, I'm, I'm getting, you can see I'm getting all emotional after that conversation. Just a second. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so Seven Stories is, and, and Censored Press typically um, are um, mostly prose um, or uh, actually non-comic works. Let's say that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, and we're hoping we can use this. Hopefully this episode will be a resource for anybody. Mm-hmm trying to get published and they can use this as a useful stepladder because as I talked about in our last episode with uh, there are colorist James Cutner on our web too. As, you know, as cool as it would be to have someone like, like Brian and Michael Bendis or Jim Lee on in the podcast who's been in the industry for decades. Uh, I think it's actually more useful for people trying to get in to have someone who's at the very big or like closer to the beginning of their career. I would say um, like middle, like I would say like emerging or mid career, um, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Sim- simply because like you know what Jim Lee or Bennis did back then isn't going to work now, right? Yeah. Or or even someone like a, a Rita Televiger, a Televiger, or uh, you know any any pretty much anyone who's been successful for decades. Like the conditions have changed, and right. as, I've, as I've learned. The hard way a lot of these people just kind of stumbled in <laughs> to success yeah because like you know it's not like back in the day where you just kick in the door to the dc offices in manhattan and be like yo look at my portfolio jim shooter well not jim shooter uh that was marvel sorry yeah look at my portfolio jim shooter and then throw it in his face yeah. or kick in the door to dc and i don't i don't remember who the editor is the last like was it bad uh, who was before didio i don't know it's not for man it's fine <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I clearly I know more Marvel than I do DC. So. So yeah. So hopefully people uh, can find uh, a useful some useful takeaways from Pete's path into your publishing. But before we get into that, let's backtrack a little bit and give people an introduction to yourself. So Pete, why don't you give a little bit about your personal professional background first? Sure. So. Um... Listeners may know that we all know each other from uh, grad school. We all went to the uh, CCA for the comics program, uh, got our MFA in, in comics. Um, and from there, I, uh, I started to do, like, after I graduated, I uh, started to do more, like, freelance um illustration and, and graphic design and just kind of worked on personal projects. Um, Usually one-off comics were the the things that 
excuse me again, very emotional. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I got paid for, um, Eric, you and I worked on a few things together. Um, and, um, actually one of those things is what led to this, <clears throat> this comic, uh, this full length version of going remote, going remote was initially a, uh, 14 page comic um, that Adam Adam Bessie and I did in 2020 for Project Censored's um, annual that they put out. And um, they kind of used that as the, the editors, um, Mickey Huff and Andy Roth, um, really cool, cool dudes. If you uh, are ever hoping to write for them, I, I highly suggest it very, uh, uh, just to just to awesome. cut in real just to cut yeah. in real quick, uh, what is Project Censored? You want to explain that? Yeah, Project Censored is um, they deal mainly in uh, nonfiction and um, they they um, address news stories that were not addressed by mainstream news outlets. And um, their annual is a, um, a, a an anthology of uh, the top I want to say twenty. Uh, stories that that were not covered that were um, of that should be of great importance. Um, so that's where our our um, works got featured. Um, and actually, I, I should back up. One of the shorts that I did was uh, even before going remote. We Adam and I worked together on a, on a uh, another short um, when Trump got elected about how comparing his presidency to uh, certain sci-fi tropes. And yeah, I, I I think I remember reading that. Actually, I think Eric, you you posed for a reference picture um, in one of those. <laughs> really yeah, I don't remember. I'll see if I can find it. That's hilarious. Yeah, so the a lot of these shorts just kind of like um, created uh, relationships with other creators, writers, uh, publishers, editors, what have you. So um, at some point, um, Mickey and, and Andy they um, they they said, you know. I, and I apologize. I'm paraphrasing this, and I might get the story a little wrong. Um, but the general, the gist of it went: um, Mickey and Andy really liked this this story, and part of it is, um, it, or it, it it is autobiographical for um, for Adam. So we talked about making a full length uh, version of it for um, the, the 2023 releases, and that that's I guess the short version. Even though that was very long. <laughs> so the the story itself, going remote. What is it? Because you mentioned that it's 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 both all biographical, but it's also covering. It's got a journalistic quality to it. So what is the premise of it? And what is it covering? Yeah, you bet. Um, so the 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 premise is um, Adam is a um, a community college English teacher and. Um, this is uh, a year, uh, it's a, a dispatch, uh, which is alert, a word I, I learned, uh, a dispatch <laughs> for, oh, um, wow. teaching over the, the pandemic. Um, he gets a real cross-section of um, how the pandemic affected the most marginalized among us and um, just kind of saw into the real, the, the brutal uh, effects of uh, capitalism on uh, people who who really just are already on the edge. Um, mm. And to add a bit of a wrinkle, Adam has had a uh, brain tumor for the last 13 years, so that he kind of uh, is peppered throughout. So um, 
the, the I don't want to spoil anything, but the comic starts with Adam coming back from a bout of uh, chemo, just off of a bout of chemo. And he's back on campus. This is like, starts in January, 2020. Um, and he's fresh back. He's really thrilled. Adam is a really passionate teacher and he was thrilled to be back on mm-hmm. campus. And then, um, hmm, I don't remember what else happened in 2020, but um, so like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happens from there? You'll just have to read, going remote. It's uh well it was the year uh the Bloomhouse hit uh Freaky dropped. Sorry, Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton. So that's that's all I remember for twenty twenty. Uh from twenty twenty I remember getting I'm not even gonna lie, some of the best sleep of my life simply because <laughs> I didn't I didn't have to get up and go somewhere. <laughs> uh yeah, that sounds really cool. Uh I could I can tell you right now, so as one of those most marginalized people under capitalism who lost all his jobs and went uh, under under COVID, that's that's definitely a story I can relate to. Um, so I guess so. You said this. How long was this original sto- short story? And then how long is the graphic novel version? And how did you go about expanding it to be the length? Yeah, so the original one was, uh, the original short was uh, 14 pages, um, and we talked about, um, expand. so we we were curious about how we were going to expand it out, because for, for a number of reasons, um, the, Adam has no shortage of material about this, like, um, there's no shortage of horrible stuff that happened in 2020 and there's no shortage of marginalization that, that happens to to the vulnerable um but there's um we aside from needing to put this into a, a manageable uh format for on on our end we also had a timeline they mm-hmm. wanted this done by um february of 2022 and we were uh given this assignment roughly in april of 2021 um again time time i am not super clear on the timeline i could clarify that later on if you want but essentially less than a year to make less than a year right so about what was that 10 10 months about 10 months to finish the graphic novel uh yeah wow that's impressive yes 10 months Uh. um so we had to really um the a an expression that uh Phil and I are probably used to hearing quite a bit. Uh, we had to make a minimum viable product. Um, uh, yeah. We, to, uh, make, we, we really had to streamline. And, and I think this is it, like true to the, the comics uh, I, I form, uh, we really had to uh, get only what, what we what needed to be in there. There were certain things that we really would have loved to have had in there, um, but the timeline just didn't allow for that. Um, so, um, Process-wise, um, it was we would go chapter. Adam had a, I would, I would say, a, a pretty good view, a uh, high-level view of the story, and we would go chapter by chapter um, and kind of uh, work on editing it down, making it um, efficient for a, a comic medium. Okay, mm. so it's, it sounds like you two <clears throat> collaborated pretty closely from the beginning, as opposed to like the writer, like here's a script. And then once they passes off, it's all right. You figure out how to make it, how to draw and make it look like on the page. 
Correct. Yeah, it was a very, very tight collaboration. Something I'm curious about, and maybe because um, definitely we would we like to have you both on when the comic actually comes out, talk more about it. Totally. Um, does he have any experience writing for the for the comics format? Your your friend Adam. Oh yeah, definitely. He he's uh, been doing comics in comics journalism for like 10, 10 years, uh, ten plus years, I want to say. Oh wow. Yeah, he, he's fairly prolific, um, and he, yeah, I, w- I would say he's he's one of the best collaborators I've ever I've ever worked with. He, I feel like he really understands what a an illustrator needs. Okay, so, so it's it's not like, you know, he's um. So I'm going like, hey, can we just can we can you draw me like a horse on a Holly Davidson <laughs> wearing drapes and, and a crowd with five point perspective? Right. No. Yo, that'd be nuts. <laughs> no, not nothing like that. He's uh, aside from um, really knowing what an illustrator needs as far as description um, and uh, in a script, he is also uh, I would say like he. He was pretty egoless as far as edits. We, uh, I, I suggested or requested. Um, I, I felt like Adam was a very good sport about saying, "Oh yeah, we could cut that," or "Nah, this doesn't need to be in here." Um, I would say there, were, there are definitely things that we, we did need, and he would be very specific about that. Other than um, those few things, though, he was, he was um, really very, very cooperative. Makes it sound like I've got him at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> Which is definitely not what we see in the background there behind you. He's definitely not holding a sign that says, yeah. help, help me. Yeah. No. Um, Get out of my office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so nice, nice throwback. Cause anyone, any loyal listeners remember Pete when we had the Simpsons, off our Simpsons episode. Before so, I forget, this is somewhat off topic. Actually, I don't know why I said somewhat. This is off topic. I'm making um, a, a uh, Hans Mole Man shirt that says, if only the sugar were as sweet as you. <laughs> All right, please continue. That's awesome. I, I want one when that's Yeah, right. I'll make you one. Although, you probably have to be careful so you don't get hit from Disney now. Disney will hit you with the... Well, I'm not selling them. I'm, I, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, like, I thought, like honestly, I thought you were gonna set that up, like you know, like yo, the Disney's gonna hit you in your groin, like you know, <laughs> hum, hum, that. so I was like, whoa, that'd be crazy. Yo, what counter <laughs> Hit me. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry right. for the digression. I was just uh, we talk we talk Simpsons, man. It's it's hard to. Uh, I just I see uh, I see crust. I mean, yeah, we got to do another one of those. Uh, that line uh but back to the comic so so let's go back so like they pitch you this idea right like hey we want to turn this into a full-length comic uh did they have any particular so your editors and the publisher did they have any particular mandates from the beginning um or were this like hey guys give us give us this x amount of pages and then, and then, and then their hands off until you are done um, they were actually pretty hands off, like in, in the, the, in the best way. I don't feel like we were hampered really. I don't, I don't think they were like, uh, you know, Hey, you can't t- talk about matches in this book because we're sponsored by, you know, Stevenson lighters or something. <laughs> it was certainly nothing like that. Uh, we were, um, creatively, I, I feel like it, no one gets this experience. Like this was, uh, we had free reign. Um, technically we, we, there were a few limitations, but 
I think they're all very reasonable. There were just um, the the whole book is in black and white um, for it, it's just more cost effective. Um, and oh, I mean, I, I'm actually kind of grateful for that. And I, I don't want to color all those pages. That that is probably also how we were able to make that very tight yeah, that deadline. How yeah. long how long is the the, the book altogether? Uh, I think it's about 130 pages. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Which is which makes sense because like a bigger publisher from like you know Random House or all those they would definitely they would definitely want it color. Mm-hmm. And, and on their I think it's on their mind view that's a little short. That's a little short. They would want it like double that. Yeah. Like maybe maybe like a YA comic a few certain YA comics would get away with something that short. But yeah, from their from their view that that's that's like yeah you know that's they give you. They would demand more, but for, for yeah, ten months of work. That's that's. So how did you so how did you manage that then? Between ten months, because I know you also were working full time as well. Yeah, so it's uh it, it's really just a, a a matter of uh breaking down the uh amount of work that needed that needed to be done and how much time a week um I could dedicate to it. So um. Both Adam was also, I'm assuming, working as well, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we were fortunate that we could both do our our work on on the comic um, async uh, simultaneously. Excuse me, and asynchronously, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> um, the so we drew up just a, a a a large calendar and said, you know, if we get the if we do two pages a week, we'll finish here. And we'll have time for editing. And then, you know, three pages a week, we'll finish here, and then so on. And so we did kind of a mix. And as often happens with projects, like I started out full of beans and did like five pages a week for like a few months. And then um, I got tired because that's <laughs> a lot of work to do. So I, you know, cut down to fewer pages. Also, it just happened that like, you know, I, I was able to cut down at that point. Um, so as far as like, uh, doing that while working full time, I, I I don't know. It was I I I made a schedule such that um, I was able to pencil on the weekends, in the mornings, and then um, just ink during the week. Um, I don't I don't know if you two have like uh, a similar work schedule, but like I don't penciling is so much more labor intensive to me than inking. Um, really. I, yeah. I I feel the exact opposite. Really? Why? Because of like yeah, when it comes that's to that's not an accusatory. I mean, no, of course. <laughs> it's just like when it comes to penciling for me, I feel like I can get as loose as I want, but then also because I'm as loose as I want, it comes to like my own detriment when I have to go back and ink. You're like, oh crap, I didn't really think this part through. Let's just fill it with black, and then oh. and then that's 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 my method, anyways. <laughs> That's interesting. I feel like it's the, yeah, I, it is. It's the exact uh, opposite. I, I was gonna say inverse. But let's go with opposite for me. Yeah, because okay. uh, a word that I I know but barely grasp. Um, well, I think I think it really depends on like if you're the person that does both penciling and inking. It de- it depends on how how work how much strong you're doing during the process. Like I know. Some inkers they'll like when they work well, when they work on someone else's pencils they'll like sometimes just redraw it essentially. Yeah, I've seen that. 
Well, yeah. I guess still, like what before penciling, what what uh, what takes place? Do you have is multiple stages of penciling, or do you go straight from thumbs to pencils? Do you have like really detailed thumb? Like, what's your process? If if uh, I may. No, yeah, of course. I mean, it's about you, but I, I have no problem talking about process as well, because this was going to lead up to my next question, into my questions anyways. Um, so personally, the way I, I do things is a combination of uh, roughs and thumbs, because I like to draw on um, eight and a half by 11 sheets folded in half, since that's about the ratio of an 11 by 17. So I can see it all I can see two pages next to each other so I can understand how it's going to flow um, from page turn to page turn. Um, from there, I would just like try and sketch out like what the figures are doing within within the scene of the panel. So fight scenes, for example, it would be like, all right, this body's doing this, conjoined like this, this person's doing this in order to like, you know, really capture that that movement because I feel like as a person who teaches figure drawing to uh, undergraduates, I have to practice what I preach. So I'm all about like trying to find the diagonal line and, you know, really focusing on foreshortening and everything. So from there, throw in um, whatever background elements that need to be in there. And then I would go back and like tighten it up a bit, like as far as I need to, because I know I'm going to be the one inking it anyways. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like that sounds a little bit more thorough than, than what I do. I, I feel like, uh, so I start with, uh, usually it, it, from the script, I go to thumbs. And then mm -hmm. I, I, that is a good idea of having like uh, page by page uh see how it flows but i usually just have like let's say i've got my uh, really visual medium here holding up my hand like <laughs> my, my eight and a half by 11 I'll, I'll have just like one page and then um go through the dialogue um mm -hmm. see where that can fit in on a page and like break, have panel breakdowns and then right. from there um i go to i go to pencils and then like the the penciling page is like really where it um like I have to, where I have to get real, uh, like where things have to actually be, you know, you have to have, have good um, reference and perspective in, in pencils versus like thumbs. It's like, well, I get the idea. I mean, this is yeah. just like a, a note. Uh, and then like once it's penciled, then it, then it's like, well, I, yeah, I know how to ink this. It's like, it's right there. It's, I've, I've got it written down. Yeah, uh, you, can, you, can, you can even do it while having episodes of Law and Order in the background. Like, I just, <laughs> that's cool. Like sure. that's how that's how I had to get through my final project towards the end. It was just like I couldn't just sit in my room ink for for hours. I just had to have something stupid in my list. Heads law and order in the background. Which which makes sense. I mean, like the way I do it now, I wish I was able to do it when I was in grad school, because like for me it was a way more stressful. Um, but it's I think it's also because I'm teaching anatomy, I'm teaching drawing that I'm able to and I, I mean, I have to give demos as well, like like sitting there in class, um, that I'm able to be way more confident with the way I'm I'm doing the body, to the point where sometimes I don't use reference to my to my own detriment, which I never recommend. Always use reference. Um, children out there listening, I'm talking to you, that one person with the headphones on. Um, <laughs> Always use rubber, but like sometimes I'll be like, all right, cool. Especially if it's like a more um, action focused scene, so I can I get to play around a little bit more with the with the figure. I think also, 
Uh, I think also the difference in your your processes also account for the art style. Like I know Pete generally is a more cartoony art style than Phil's. Right. Um, did you go? I'm assuming for because for the Ooh, length you of this project. Too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm still thinking about. I'm still now. You got me guilty about how I segregate my rights. That's why. Maybe. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe I'm, it's time I'm, to integrate the wild rice and the brown rice <laughs> and the white rice together. Yes, and and then forget the yellow rice. Hey, that, now that's racist. What? Uh, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> but I'm assuming for this particular project, Pete, you went with your more cartoony style. Because I've seen I've seen you do both. Like your illustrations are like full on super rendered, and then working with you like. And then, you, because we t- we tend to make a lot of more cartoony comics, like humorous comics, you went with a more zany or cartoony style. Yeah, it, it, I um I found myself for like um backgrounds using like very specific, very um fully rendered. Uh, I just realized that's redundant. Fully <laughs> rendered, very uh thoroughly rendered backgrounds. Um, Whereas like figures, I still went pretty cartoony. Um, like some occasionally, I would do like I would get reference for for gestures. Uh, but for the most part, like people look like uh, <laughs> you can tell they're human, but they don't. You know, they don't. Look, they don't look. They look like what eggs? like everyone's head is like perfectly spherical like everyone looks like they've got a cantaloupe on their on their neck and uh, <laughs> like the three thing I always I've been drawing people with three fingers for a few years now and I really like that uh <laughs> I don't know why I enjoy doing that so much um that's that well, Simpsons like, gene yeah well, they have four fingers right uh, uh, oh, oh yes show four fingers like three fingers and a thumb or four I don't I don't differentiate <laughs> whatever so um and like, bless you. Um, Thank you. Kind of stilted body language is something that I uh, I really enjoy, or at least I I that has is something that has kind of carried over from from uh, my more humorous work into this piece. Like uh, what would I I believe medieval art historians call talking hands. You know, mm-hmm. when you see like medieval art, the like the clergy always has two hands up to show that they're talking, and then mm-hmm. knights have one, and then the peasants have none. So like doing that. <laughs> I was gonna ask you about that because I know you generally a lot of your comics are more uh, on the funny end. So I know that talking from you, this graphic novel was kind of a departure from that because I'm assuming there's not a lot of room for comedy and talking about <laughs> having a brain tumor and and COVID hit, hit capitalism hitting you. Right. This this is some heavy uh like material for like a, a reader to to read right it, I, I so it, correct that there are uh, as far as i'm concerned no jokes in this um i i think um it didn't feel like um it was too it, as far as subject matter yes it's a departure but like process wise um i feel like it was pretty uh at, i i feel like it was pretty intuitive it's not that it was easy, but it, it was, I, I feel like, a, a pretty natural move. Um, I think that goes back to Adam being a really good collaborator and giving me a lot of d- good direction. Um, and then part of it is kind of like, I <clears throat> I haven't 
flesh this out completely, but this is a thought I've been having. You know how there is like this in the last 10 years, there's been a, a, a large uh, contingent of comedians doing serious roles. Uh, you brought up Bill Burr the other day, like Bill Burr on um, Breaking Bad or like, you know, Bob Odenkirk on Better Call Saul, two <laughs> Gilligan properties, but still like, um, I think the, I, I feel like there is something there about like timing and, um, and, and go, moving from that to uh, an understanding absurdity to moving to, to drama, like a more dramatic uh, subject matter. Again, haven't fleshed that thought out, but I feel like there's a parallel there somewhere. Yeah, no, good. Definitely, definitely, definitely on to something for sure. I, I like to think of it as like how does you know how does Jordan Peele go from like these silly sketch comedies into like these thrillers? Right, from like, Mad oh, TV to Nope. Yeah, or like you know James Gunn goes from like these splatter horror comedies, but can have moments of like real sincerity, and even even his most like blackest comedies. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good example. Both good. Um. Uh, so you so you, you you make you make this comic in ten months. And which is something and something that I'm very kind of impressed to hear because I don't I don't think I've ever heard of any comic artists doing this that you did not have to take any extensions or push any deadlines. Uh, I'm assuming, right? That you Correct. actually man you actually managed to hit your your initial deadline. So, um, but and something that really surprised <laughs> me when I talked to you about it is that when you finish the pages, right, in February of this year. Your work is not yet done. There's actually still a lot of work left to do. Right. And um, I'd say it's, I, I was, um, I was frustrated um, not because, uh, well, I, maybe without justification. It's like, I, I think I, having finished the, the piece in, in uh, that short of time, I, I guess I was like thinking, okay, well, I mean, I get credit for being early, right? Or, you know, <laughs> that you don't, you still have to make a kind of, you still have a ton of work after your comic, no matter how long it it it, uh, it takes. So, um, what I mean by a ton of work is there are changes. There there are inevitably um, revisions and edits that you will need to make. Um, we didn't make too many to the imagery. Thank thankfully. Um, mm. I was kind of unwilling to, and um, not for artistic reasons, but just like I, I'm tired. Um, yeah, it's also yeah, it's also it's not like editing. And I say this as someone who edits prose works. It's like not like editing prose where you just backspace delete. You right. Right. Like right. like you you have to redraw stuff that takes, and if you have to change one page, that can affect you know other pages as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so we were pretty fortunate to not have too many of those. Um, I was, I forget if we were um, on, if we were recording at this point, this might've been an off mic conversation, but I, we were just talking about, um, we got back the, a, a draft from the copy editor and it was, um, it was extensive revisions on, on the copy. Not like, um, actually, let me rephrase that. It was extensive revisions to the punctuation on, on mm. the, um, on the script and that was something I, I i i didn't know about spaces before and after an ellipsis if it's in the middle of a paragraph but uh and then it's got a little oh. it's very yeah. oh yeah style mm. and it's all over the the um 
I, I didn't consider it. And then just typos and stuff. Yeah. I, oh, I could have sworn I checked this, but um, it, it's like, uh, I'm hoping that after this meeting today that I have with Adam, we're hoping to like go over the last remaining uh, rogue band of um, of copy edits and to, to be done with them. But we'll, we'll see. It's it's like it's kind of a trip. How like how many? I, I always heard that that expression like when you write a book, uh, or when publishing a book, um, once you actually have finished writing it, you're half done. Um, and I, I always thought that yeah, it's probably different for comics. Nope, it's, it's about the same. So. So what was uh what were like so you mentioned that they didn't you didn't they didn't suggest any art changes and page layout changes so what would you say was the biggest change you had to do in terms of your editorial feedback or like the biggest like most radical thing they they suggested <laughs> most radical came in on a skateboard uh, <laughs> uh, well, I I'm trying to remember um I I think the most consistent one was like that punctuation change that I mentioned the use of ellipses and um just like going there were like over 200 instances of this of my improper use of of ellipses ellipses <laughs> like that that I would say um biggest as far as like oh you know there is this one page that's um it's a two-page spread and it's um just a list of names it's a it's a wall of text mm -hmm. um and it formatting that yeah it wasn't really a revision that was like uh i guess there were some revisions to it that was just a big pain in the ass to like to format um there there okay there is another two-page thread that's um actually a a um a, a single image that, whereas, you know, the text can be broken pretty easily into two pages, but there's a, mm -hmm. a one page that, or excuse me, two pages that is a single image that um, the way we we are doing spreads in this book, uh, it was explained to me that it needs to be two separate pages as, you know, as, as far as the format of the actual file goes. So breaking that single image um, cleanly um, was, was kind of a challenge. Um, so if you're planning on doing a many two-page spreads, keep that in mind that it sucks to, to, to do, to have to learn how to split it. I'm hoping it goes well with those oh, spreads. Oh, man. Now mm -hmm. you just got me thinking of, like, because that's something that's super common <clears throat> in superhero comics. Of yeah, like having, and Especially, I think <clears throat> the most egregious example was in, the ultimates, the end of Mark Millar's Brian Hitch's ultimates, they had like a six-page spread that was a pull-out insert. Whoa! <laughs> so I'm just trying to figure out how, how they how they how they managed to make that technically and physically. Yeah, that's a good question. I, well, I don't remember much dialogue being on that that page though. Yeah, yeah, I mean you're right, Phil. That's like they're fighting. Loki brings uh. The, brings in um what's it called the the frost giants right yeah yeah and then it's like all the ultimates are fighting and it's just yeah, it's just like one long image essentially one giant one long panel but they you, you have to pull you have to actually it folded out of the comic yeah 
Well, but Marvel comics tend to have a a like a, a technical team, right? Like they've got. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so that was gonna I'll ask you next because you said this is a small publisher and it sounds like they're they're they haven't had a lot of comics experience or publishing a lot of comics. So right. like, is it? So what was that like? Was there a lot of like questioning of like I don't get this, and you had to explain how comics work to them? Because like when I had. James Kettner on his, his first graphic novel. They had no idea how comics works. So he had to constantly explain to them, like, this is not, yes, this is intentional. Trust me, people will get this. People will, will understand how to read this. So I don't <laughs> know if you had that kind of issue with your publisher. Yeah, I remember you talking about, like, the uh, comic artists uh, and their experience with um, more traditional book uh publishers and how like they just didn't get it i i did not feel that way generally i feel like they did a pretty mm -hmm. good job uh everyone uh i feel like at the very least if there were questions um everyone was willing to talk through them um i so i don't feel like there was anything like i don't, I don't think there was any egregious um you know, blasphemies against you know the comic art form i think that um there, there were like a few small um, it, suggestions that we didn't go with um, that I think might have, have been a, a result of uh, not understanding the comic medium. But um, like I said, they were small and so small that I don't even remember. And maybe I shouldn't have even brought it up because I can't bring up a, a good example. Mm. <clears throat> no, like, no, we want, we want the like scandal, juicy. Yeah. Inside of these people are idiots like you know Christopher Nolan or the guy who did the Reverend says about Hollywood. We want that's what we want to hear. Yeah, this is the stuff that the publishing agents aren't going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there we go. Ten things publishing doesn't want you to know. Yeah, like like Sharon's cry. <laughs> what those millionaires in the publishing industry, what those fat cats aren't telling you. Right. out here looking like uh what's his name uh j edgar hoover and and rockefeller and and uh, jp morgan and the monopoly guy and the monopoly <laughs> guy yeah egregious yeah. uh yeah it, honestly it was there i i had a very good experience and i understand that that's not always common uh with comics uh people and the um and more traditional book publishers. I think also a part of that is that um, Mickey and and Andy, uh, who I mentioned earlier from from Project Censored, um, I think we're really good about not to say that um, Seven Stories was out to get us or anything, but I think um, Mickey and Andy really um, gave good good context for this project and would defend any artistic choices that that we felt were um, were really important to the to the piece um mm, okay and, and so, even, like we haven't even we i don't think we even heard got wind of any um like real big uh, differences of opinions based on comic comic style okay so it sounded like they were they were real advocates for you which is like very much so. yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is like the dream editor to have for for an author and an artist I was very fortunate. I feel like uh, this is, I, I don't feel like anyone's book has ever gone as smoothly. Like, I, I feel very fortunate to have had uh, Mickey and Andy in, in, in my corner. 
and seven stories honestly like they they've been pretty cool about like um respecting our our, our artistic vision you know mm. so uh because you said this is like the last final round of edits before do you are you are you guys gonna have any involvement in like you know cover design or marketing or anything like that from like what is there left for the what is there left to do is it just like physically making the book so uh that's a good question like oh first of all i hope this is the last round of edits uh, <laughs> it is but I, I i hope um <clears throat> so as far as like cover goes i did do the cover um i i've sent that off um and then uh, as far as like marketing goes um I'm not, I, I, they, there is, Seven Stories does have a marketing department, as does um, Project Censored. So um, I, I don't think it's as simple as just, uh, for the listener, I clapped my hands as if I was dusting them and to suggest I'm done. <laughs> I don't think it's, I don't think it's as simple as that. I think it's probably like, um, we will talk to these the marketing folks and say, hey, here are some outlets that we'd really like to be featured in. Um, it, this is some someone who I think would would like uh, our comic, things like that. Um, I think that they will certainly be taking the lead on that, um, and we will probably be doing the the whole social media soul selling thing. But um, other <laughs> other than that, I, I like it's work on the actual book. Um, I believe that's the we're at that point will have ceased. Uh, so they're they're not you're not anticipating someone like. You know, like a what's her name, Lindsay Nagel, for this is coming in. It's like we need to, you know, rostify him by like ten percent. Oh yeah, you know, we, need, we need a totally new outrageous paradigm for for this. You know, honestly, I don't know. I haven't met I haven't met with the marketing people. If there was a Lindsay Nagel type, um, I, that would be kind of cool. Although, um, I yeah, she was actually kind of terrifying. Never mind. She also <laughs> she had some problematic behaviors. If, uh, if memory serves. That is, I think that she is true. Herself as a sexual predator in one the, episode. Yes, I think yes, yes, she was. Um, right, yeah, yeah, one of the yeah. later seasons, yeah. She <laughs> said, "Why do you keep changing jobs?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and then I think this is something we kind of glossed over from the beginning, and then. You can feel free to go into much detail into this or as little detail as you want. But something they were our grad school taught us real big about was like the importance of you know, when you get a contract, looking it over, having a lawyer look it over, you know, the process of getting an agent. Um, this is something I think this is the biggest trap a lot of new and emerging comics people fall into, is that they just, oh, okay, their publisher is my friend. I'll just like here you go. I'll sign it. What you do? Yeah. <laughs> so how that that initial signing signing a contract onboarding process? Um, how did how did that go? How did that work? Yeah, that um, excuse me. Uh, good good call. That that is that was a that contract is is like kind of a trip. It's so extensive. Um, the stuff that it covers like what rights you have to this property if like it gets turned into a tv show for example <laughs> um, like that's covered it's like 10 pages of, of the the most thought through 
it's like looking into someone it, it, it's like looking into a delusional person who's just landed in LA they're like ooh boy oh boy <laughs> milk and honey here uh, wow so the, the as far as oh sorry go ahead I was gonna say they, they really just like cover every possible contingency of like of everything yeah so um project censored again like mickey and andy have, have done a really good job of advocating for us as far as like um you know the, our rights to this uh to this property um that, it's funny to call it a property this uh uh so they really wanted to advocate for creator rights um and that because i mean they they too are part of the, this process so like it's also in their best interests um not to say that they're not looking out for us because they certainly are um so i feel like we really had like um not just an advocate but like uh in, in a way they they acted as our agents like on our they looked over the contract on our behalf um they said certainly do get you know uh, a third party to look at it if you feel comfortable with that um mm. but it looked pretty according to them boilerplate um Another word I like to use, uh, and it was, uh, but it, it was crazy looking at this like ten-page document that says like, "Hey, if there's a movie, you know, you get a little, you a little dosh coming your way." Uh, <laughs> it, it, it also, but you, you you do bring up a good point, like um, that idea of being real green and and saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, the publisher's my friend, uh, so I don't need to look over the contract." Or, it, something like that, you know, like that. Um, I I did feel like um, again I had been saying that singing um, Project Censored and Seven Stories Praise this whole time, but at the outset I I well I had worked with Project Censored and I have a great working relationship with them. I didn't know um, Seven Stories, so I didn't know if they were going to try and um, you know pull, pull a fast one or something. Um, they they didn't, <laughs> but. Um, you don't you don't know unless you have like unless you're an expert in this, which no one is, and or unless you have someone acting on your behalf. Did you have to make any changes, any major changes to contract or any back and forth? Or like this is outrageous, you know, this is this is unfair, or like we want give us give us more percentage or anything like that. Or was it just like really minor? I think there were some minor changes. Um, God, what was it? It was. Like barely worth mentioning. I think it was something something like um, change the wording on this to be more specific to like g give us. Uh, <laughs> I, I I it's funny that I, I introduced this as ah, something minor. I think it was like change the wording to make sure we have more rights to this. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was it, there weren't many of, of those, and um, also like everyone was just like oh yeah fine. <laughs> I, I feel like if if this had been like a, a larger publisher. Uh, I first of all, they, we would have been they would have been trying to fuck us if they if it was a larger publisher, I think. And then also it would have been like a drawn out process of just like trying to like grind us down. Fine, fine, we'll agree to this. But that that was certainly not the case. It was uh, a, a very very easy process. I mean that that is dollars. That is also what I've heard from people who've gone through this, because like those giant publishers, they have whole legal departments and right. floors of lawyers to, to go through, which I'm sure is not the case for this publisher. Probably as a lawyer, <laughs> you know, a yeah. lawyer and an intern. Yeah, and I think that they genuinely, obviously, they want to make money, but the, I, I don't think that they're in. In I don't think they're like, oh man, let, 
you know what we're going to do today? We're going to fuck some people over. I don't think that I they that is definitely not been my experience with them. I, I think that they're they really do have uh, the best interests of of their um, of their authors at at heart. Mm, that's good and to hear. Yeah. I think kind of fitting to end this on the final question that everyone wants to know that all all the big aspiring comic artists, authors, cartoonists want to hear is that clearly now that this is getting published, you can retire, buy a Lamborghini, go get a private island, right? Because we all know. Oh yeah, and, and buy the Diamondbacks. Don't forget about buying the Diamondbacks. Oh, no, zoo. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, clearly, you know, getting the comics, everyone does it for the money, right? You, you make as much people as uh, as Bitcoin speculators, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, at one point though, there was money in Bitcoin, whereas like I don't think there's ever been money in. Actually, that shows about as, how much I know about fucking cryptocurrency. Mm. Um, right. Like I think, <clears throat> I I think. Uh, hilarious number one Eric uh, number two uh, I think the the idea is that like oh you you get your first comic published and then it's like easy street and I I don't I don't think that's the case um, because you know you did it's safe to say you didn't leave your job <laughs> right no 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 <laughs> you're still, well, you're still I also happy. like in in the the course of um, this comic i got a new like i started in a new profession so i didn't like i don't want to i'm not leaving my job i like my i like my day job um (laughs) so i I think like if this opens some more doors or this like is something to put on the resume as far as like being a a comics person i i I suppose that that could be the case but i mean we'll see like who who knows like uh I'll still probably see my fair share of rejection letters if I if I um, try and get published in in, in other uh, at other places. I I don't know if Seven Stories wants to publish my my comic Cowboy Ghost about like <laughs> you know, uh, th- that doesn't sound like it's in our wheelhouse. It's more of like a fantagraphics thing. Uh, and if if I could get the a foot in the door by having like oh th- he, this guy has already made a comic that's cool that's cool. But mm. if nothing else happens, like, and I just make this comic, uh, that that is that is also cool because uh, it was it was a lot of fun to work on, and and I think it is a really good piece. I'm very proud of it. That's good to hear. Uh, also, when are we gonna expect the NFT version of Going Remote? <laughs> NFT version or the yeah. NSFW version? <laughs> oh, uh, both. Sure, both. Either, okay. Yeah, both. Why not? Well, lucky for us, it's one and the same. Um, <laughs> it's uh written on it's it's all done on uh like pieces of focaccia and uh it's also uh oh i wish i knew another acronym um for food or something oh extra virgin olive oil evoo it's nsfw nft evoo extra virgin <laughs> hilarious i know uh, okay. Are you just gonna do an episode on on what NFTs are? I, I still barely understand what they are. Uh, I mean, if, we we could, but I mean, well, uh, we the thing that really taught me this is a YouTuber video essayist named Dan Olson. He did like a two hour video about NFTs and just why they're awful and what they represent for mm. in terms of the long story short that it's. And, and we're gonna edit up NFTs this comic podcast. 
<laughs> the long story short, it's not just like a stupid money making fad that like you know that stupid people are jumping on. It like represents a potentially disturbing change of commodifying things. Art. Yeah. yeah, commodifying art, commodifying things in favor of the ultra wealthy. Mm. Okay. It's uh, highly recommended for everyone. And uh, on that note, Phil, you get on the Omnibus NFT soon. Oh yeah, definitely. The first, the <laughs> yeah. first thing is gonna be the robot with the uh, the with the bamboo hat. Yeah. <laughs> robot with the bamboo hat, looking bored with a cigarette. Yes. Yeah, all right. So thank you, Pete, for joining us and enlightening okay. us on the graphic novel process. Um, definitely when the book is out or closer to publication, I think we would definitely want to have both you and Adam out on it on to talk about it again. We'd like to hear more from the writer perspective and, you know, it's a nice promotion your way to the, right. to the yeah. dozens of people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> we're, we're small but mighty. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, one listener, I'm sure, will buy all of them. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, and just, I know I make fun of ourselves a lot, but we're still better than Harry and Megan. Because they only they had millions of dollars. They only made one episode on their podcast. They had a podcast? Yeah, exactly. 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 Right. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, and it was one episode two years ago. What was it about? I mean, was it just that... Uh, like them talking about nonsense and I, I think it was supposed to be them it, talking about themselves but also interviewing famous people like you know what like ritually people do but they only had the one episode which they got paid who knows how many billions and then Spotify gave them 30 million more and renegotiated the contract to like hey you need to make more episodes but it's you know August 2022 they have it from what I've heard oh well, that sounds awful. Uh, I don't think I'll watch it. Uh, I'll yeah. it. <laughs> that this is an episode. I mean, I I like every episode. Uh, and this is a. I, I love listening to myself. I'll probably listen to this. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's great to have you on. Have you on again? We definitely have to do another Simpsons episode. Yeah, this. yeah. I'd love to. Yep. On that note, I'm Eric Long. I'm Paul Fleming. And I'm about to sneeze. Oh gosh. <laughs> and Pete, I think, you know, we'd like to give you the tradition of the sign-off of the 90s, early 2000s TV show that we are. Oh, sure. Um, uh, and I am Wonderfalls. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. That used to be on ABC, right? I've only heard of it. I heard it was like one of the shortest uh, running sitcoms in the world. Oh, okay. I was going to say, were you the one person that watched it? But I guess not. I've never seen it, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it was good. I, I, only, I only remember the ads for it. <laughs>